This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, everybody. Cheryl from Unleashed, and I'm thrilled today to have a very special guest, Ron McGill from the Miami-Dade Zoological Park and Gardens, almost like uh, the Garden of Eden. He's the (laughs) communication director, Emmy Award winner for his nature programs, and a fantastic photographer. Hi, Ron. Thank you so much again for being here. Hi, Cheryl. My pleasure. Thank you. And tell everybody the good news while we were waiting to speak. Yeah, I got a little late to the interview because uh, we had a giraffe going to labor this morning and she just finished giving birth. So I had to be there to document that and get ready to send out a press release on it. But I hope you forgive me for being a little late. But, you know, giraffe birth. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So I've done some research and um, in all transparency, I wanted to tell my listeners that I have been very lucky to have been to the zoo at five in the morning, my father had ice cream vending machines throughout the park. And I used to go with the driver to accompany him cleaning the machines out and filling them right. up. Sure. The giraffe always was watching us. And the elephant, like I said, definitely had a thing for me. Huh. He or she, you know, was under the sprinkler. And they seemed to enjoy the company. And before we start, how has the pandemic affected the animals? Well, uh, you know, to be honest with you, there's certainly some animals, the chimpanzees, maybe some of the uh, the more intelligent animals that may have missed the human contact. That's a bit of enrichment for them to see the humans coming through. But in total transparency, to be very honest with you, the majority of the animals were on vacation. They thought it was fabulous. They had the whole zoo to themselves, no extraneous sounds, no nothing. They were thriving. <laughs> well, that hurts. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's not the answer people want to hear, but I, I want to be honest with people. Most of the animals really enjoyed having the entire park to themselves. Uh, again, some exceptions, the chimps, uh, the elephants, some of those animals may have missed that enrichment they got from seeing people coming through the park, that constant stimulation. But most of the animals enjoyed the peace and quiet. That's wonderful. I mean, what you have like five elephants, right? That's the right. Asian and the African. That's right. Correct. Three Asians and two Africans. And now they are rescue elephants, correct? Yes, the, uh, the Asians especially are rescue elephants. Um, the uh, Nelly was a, a rescue elephant from the circus. And then our two Africans were rescue elephants a long time ago from different. They've been around a lot of places. They're in their 40s now, but they're kind of here in retirement. That's Mabel and Peggy. I find elephants fascinating. I read somewhere that they don't get cancer. I don't know if elephants don't get cancer. I know sharks don't get cancer. I think cancer may be very low and it's, uh, you know, popping up in elephants, but I, I, I'm not sure that they don't get cancer. I don't, I'm not sure that. You could be right, but I'm not sure. I know sharks do not get cancer. And they use some stuff from sharks to treat cancer, but... That's true. In regard to you, you started out like a zookeeper there, correct? I did. I started as a zookeeper at the old Cranon Park Zoo on Key Biscayne before this zoo was even built. So I was part of that whole transition of coming from the old little zoo on Key Biscayne and building and opening this one. And I started as a zookeeper became a lead keeper, became a senior keeper, became a zoo supervisor, became an assistant curator, and then 
disposition here. Wonderful. And I know this zoo, you've got over what, 750 acres and 3,000 animals and... Yeah, it's a 740-acre plot of land. We've developed about 330 of those acres. A lot of the remaining acres will not be developed because we're surrounded by pine rockland, which is the most endangered habitat in Florida. And some of the last remaining part of that habitat is right here around the zoo. So that will remain untouched and undeveloped. I, you know, I'm, I'm so happy about that. I think uh, South Florida is being overdeveloped. And, um, you know, even the areas around the zoo, some pine rockland was owned by some other companies, some other entities were sold and they built malls and stuff in them. And I, quite frankly, personally think it's terrific. So I'm glad we have this pine rockland surrounding the zoo that will always maintain a natural buffer around the park. That's true. And you do a lot of conservation there and you do have some endangered species. I was going through your website some of the animals are endangered or at risk for sure. Absolutely. Uh, we have many, many endangered species, threatened species, rare species. Uh, we work in a variety of conservation efforts. Uh, the thing I'm most proud of, I've been here for 41 years now. So the thing I'm most proud of in my entire career was I set up the only conservation endowment at the zoo. It's called the Ron McGill Conservation Endowment. I raise money for it. That's my number one purpose of being here now is to constantly raise money for that endowment. Each year, we give away tens of thousands of dollars that cannot be spent here at the zoo. None of that money can be spent at the zoo. Every penny has to be spent on conservation and protecting animals in the wild. So I want to be very honest with you. I did not come here to uh, work for an attraction. I came here to work for an entity that was going to uh, make a difference with protecting animals in the wild. I do not believe, and this is going to probably make a lot of people kind of scratch their heads a little bit, but the bottom line is I don't ever support taking an animal out of the wild and putting it under human care unless it's a last-ditch effort to save that individual animal's life or to save the species that it represents from extinction. We have done that on rare occasions, you know, the California condor, the black-footed ferret, Arabian oryx. These are animals that would be extinct today in, in the world if it were not for zoos protecting them. But I do not believe in taking an animal out of the wild strictly to put it on exhibit. So my purpose has always been. A lot of people don't like zoos, but in the wild because of the poachers and we're losing them. We lose them. And, and you know what zoos serve? They serve as an insurance policy against a very uncertain future in the wild. Here's the bottom line. A lot of people got caught up in that Tiger King train wreck of a show and they started equating zoos with those horrible roadside attractions. And people need to learn how to tell the difference. They need to learn to tell the difference between an accredited zoo and a roadside attraction that is exploiting animals just for money. This zoo will never make money. We lose money every year. We are here strictly as an educational you know, foundation to educate and inspire people to care about wildlife. But if it were not for the taxes paid by the people of Miami-Dade County, we couldn't exist. You know, this is something that's supported. We do not make money at the zoo. It's a total non-for-profit. And really, at the bottom line is we don't make any money at all at the zoo. I never saw the Tiger King. I don't go for that kind of Good. stuff. Don't. It's a waste of your time. Get that time back. I wouldn't give them my time. But I'm very interested in zoo animals, you know, farm animals and the veterinarian care. And you have surgical center there, correct? We have a zoo hospital. Yes, you know, fully equipped zoo hospital has a surgery suite, has an x-ray suite, intensive care unit, pharmacy. It's all in the hospital there. And we're in the process right now of upgrading our hospital. We're going to be building us a new $20 million capital project to build a totally new state-of-the-art hospital uh, that will very much enhance what the animal health department is doing. We have four full-time veterinarians that work here, along with several veterinary technicians and such. So it's really uh, it's quite a bit of work that is done by a big animal health team. Now, as far as your veterinarians, if any of the other facilities like, you know, this aquarium or the monkey jungle have a problem, do they come to you or do they have their own also? 
No, they have their own veterinarians, but of course we consult with each other depending on what the, what the needs may be. I mean, we always keep up with lines of communication with each other, but each institution has its own staff veterinarian. You're involved with other zoos because what are you like the fifth largest zoo in the country, right? I believe we are the fifth largest zoo in the country. That is correct. And all zoos, all accredited zoos work together. We're part of an organization called Association of Zoos and Aquariums, the AZA. And to be accredited by the AZA, I mean, you got to go through an inspection process every five years. It's a very high bar that sets that inspection process. And we all have to work together. You know, that's how we acquire the animals that you see at the zoo today. Uh, the overwhelming majority of the, all the animals you see in accredited zoos are animals that have been born in zoos. Zoos are not taking animals out of the wild anymore like they did 40, 50 years ago. That is not the case. So people need to understand that. These are anal all animals that have been born under human care. And we use these animals not only to educate and inspire people to come to visit, but to learn about how to care for them. And we can apply that knowledge on caring for their wild counterparts. Yeah. Let's take a break and I'll be right back. And as I said before, with Ron McGill from Zoo Miami. Be right back. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There's no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet We're back and we're talking today to Ron McGill from Zoo Miami, and he's telling us a lot of the secrets and things that we wouldn't even think about. One thing I would like to also ask about is, do you do breeding there or do you mix with other zoos? You know, like, you know, you just had a baby giraffe. Absolutely. Yeah, we've had actually two baby giraffe in the last three days. Uh, the breeding programs here are all carefully planned. Many of the animals here, especially endangered and threatened animals, are part of a program called the SSP, which stands for Species Survival Plan. And to put it in simple terms, it's basically like a computer dating service. So let's say we talk about, oh, I don't know, tigers that are on the Species Survival Plan. All the tigers in the accredited zoos are listed in a pedigree line, kind of like the AKC when you talk about dogs. We know every tiger that's in every zoo in the country. And then there's a stud bookkeeper, one person who's assigned to managing that stud book and manage the genetic comparisons of those animals. So when we pair a male with a female, we are pairing the best animals together. Uh, so basically, the breeding that goes on here is all carefully planned. It's uh, carefully dictated. We don't just put animals together. We wait for permission from the SSP keeper, uh, stud book keeper to say, okay, it's time to breed these two. And this is where their young are going to go. It's planned ahead that way. So we don't have animals going into a market where they don't belong. Or being mated with a member of their family. Exactly. No inbreeding. We want to make sure we're keeping that gene pool as diluted as possible to keep it as healthy as possible. So there's wine and roses involved in this, correct? <laughs> well, it depends what animal you're talking about. But uh, the analogy of wine and roses, yes, you know, there's a lot of good treats and food. You know, it's not like they do with horses. 
No, no, no. We don't put them in a shoot and bring a teaser mare out. No, no, we don't do that. Okay. Because, you know, what was it? A couple of months ago, the two polar bears were mating and uh, it didn't work out so well. Well, that's, you know, that's, that's another big misconception that people have. You just put a male and female together and they're going to do something that comes naturally. That couldn't be further from the truth, especially with the larger, more intelligent animals. You know, these animals sometimes just plain don't like each other. And they're not going to breed and they may try to kill each other. And sometimes they're successful. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. I also want to say your photographs are fantastic. Well, I appreciate that, Cheryl. You know, but I don't mean to sound extra humble or anything, but the bottom line is it's hard to take a bad image in the places I get to go. And that's my next question. Okay. Please tell us about your 40 visits to Africa. Actually, it's now up to 53 visits to Africa. And uh, it's, it's kind of Mecca for me. I, I go back there all the time, South Africa, East Africa. I mean, it never gets old for me. I've been, I think, to 15, 16 different countries on the continent. And every time I go, it's something new. It's my favorite place in the world to travel to. Uh, but having said that, you know, I've been very fortunate to go all over the world. I've been to you know, Antarctica, I've tracked tigers on elephant back in India, I've, you know, swam with killer whales off of the Galapagos Islands, I've tracked polar bears in the Arctic. I I've really lived the dream for a kid who was born and raised in a small apartment in New York City from immigrant parents to be able to do the things that I've been able to do is really a dream come true. I tell people all the time, you know, if I get hit by a truck tomorrow, don't shed a tear for me because I have lived an extraordinary life. Yeah, you can pinch yourself. That's amazing. Now, years ago, one of my first boyfriends wanted to become a vet. And years ago, they didn't really have many universities in the state. So he went to Brussels. And I remember visiting him there. And they brought in a horse to dissect, yeah. which was a shockeroni for me. And um, then we went out to dinner in a French restaurant. And he had rabbit. And after he ate the rabbit, he put all the bones back together, which was weird. But he um, once offered to teach me, you know, veterinarian care to be an assistant. Of right. course, I thought I knew so much. And I said no. And of course, that would be my dream. You have a lot of programs at the zoo for teaching. You have caregivers, I mean, for, I guess, each different groups of animals. Right. You have some programs. Yeah, keepers are assigned to different areas. But in addition to the keepers, we have internship programs where people can come and intern, work side by side with the keepers, learning their particular animal, particular husbandry. We have very extensive internship programs at the zoo hospital for animal health technicians and also for veterinarians. To be in the veterinary intern position, though, you have to already be in veterinary school and they have to be a senior in veterinary school. And they come here to the zoo to kind of work the exotic medicine rotation that they would learn here. So there are different types of internships at the zoo. Uh, that provide great experience for people interested in those fields. See, I think we need more big animal vets. Of course, there are many, many veterinarians for cats, dogs, horses, ferrets, and all of that. But I'm talking about your type of animals, you know, farm animals also, because with this program, I get in touch with and I see so many different farms and ranches that, you know, do the rescue or they bring in these animals that nobody wants, you know, a male cow, a baby male cow can't give milk. So instead of going to the slaughterhouse, they give it up for, you know, if somebody wants to rescue them and they need veterinarians that could take care of that. I think I would like to see more people involved with that than to be a cat or a dog that me personally, I mean, there's right. nothing with that. We need them because we all have pets. Oh, by the way, what kind of pets do you have? Well, I, not too long ago, lost our pet dog. We had a miniature schnauzer and 
I've kind of held back on getting other pets because I work with animals all the time and I have to travel all the time. And it's always been a, a stressful thing to travel. And, you know, when I bring my wife with me and the kids have now moved out of the house, I don't have somebody to take care of that animal. I just don't trust it. So I'm probably going to hold off on the pets at home for a little while at least. Okay. All right. So you're a dog person. I'm a dog person. Absolutely dog person. I'm a dog person too. But for years I've had cats. I had a Maine Coon who I just lost. And now I have uh, just a tabby, you know, old dementia. You know, I think my next pet, I'm going to get a dog. Yeah, I love cats. I mean, I love cats. The cats are more independent. It's great that way. But I've always, since I was a little boy, always had a dog. And it was one of those things that uh, just bonded with me. And growing up with a pet, to me, I think a child growing up with a pet teaches them so much that they don't even realize until they get older. Absolutely. Compassion, responsibility, patience, all those things. And you have a best friend who, you know, loves you dearly. There you go. So also, I want to talk about you have a wonderful program. And I think I have a birthday coming up next week or this week, and I think I'm going to treat myself to a video of the elephant or maybe the giraffe wishing me happy birthday. I think, you know, for our, <laughs> for our listeners, you should really go on the website because there's so many great things that you could see even without coming. But you're open full now, right? Yes, we are. I mean, we have, we have limited capacity. We only can do 75% of what our original capacity was. But uh, and on weekends, we reach that capacity every day. But the entire zoo is open and all the uh, the amenities within the zoo are also open. I feel bad that we didn't really talk about your birds. You have some wonderful birds there. No problem. You know, just have to come out and see it. We have the largest aviary, well, Asian aviary in the Western Hemisphere, probably close to 700 birds, uh, you know, maybe 85, 90 different species. Fantastic. I, I personally think it's the most beautiful aviary that I've ever seen, at least in the Western Hemisphere. So you need to come out. And a lot of plants. Lots of plants. I mean, that's, the, you know, the zoo is a zoological garden also. It's been certified as a garden, a zoological garden. So uh, because of the many exotic plants, our horticultural department works as hard as any other department in the zoo. Yeah, I've just been uh, researching, you know, pollinators. And, yeah. uh, you know, the fact that you said you have a lot of property that you keep wild will help bring them. The pollinators, the bees, the moths. I didn't even know flies pollinate. That's something new. Bats too. I love bats. I think everybody should get a bat house because they kill all those mosquitoes. They're extraordinary animals for sure. Well, they're flying mammals. Yep, exactly right. It's wonderful. Well, I once again want to thank you. It's been a thrill. My pleasure. And I'm going to put you on the spot and tell you that I would like to have you back again. Sure. You know, and if you have anything that you want to let the world know, you know, we do have many, many listeners. And once I uh, have this up and running, I will definitely send you a link to it. Well, once again, I want to thank you. And I want to thank my listeners. I want to thank Mark, my producer. And I want to tell everybody to live life unleashed. See you next time. Bye bye. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.